Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. If you travel, you almost always end up spending a reasonable amount of time in a hotel or lodging of some sort. Your room and property typically plays a key role in your experience, especially if it's a special trip or one to a new part of the world you've been dreaming of for a long time. You've likely had a hotel experience that you still remember due to a few special touches and you'd go back in a flash if you were there again. And you've likely also stayed somewhere that was a bust and tainted your overall memories of a destination. Today we'll go beyond the throw pillows and welcome drink to think about what makes a great hotel experience with Jason Friedman, a longtime luxury hotelier specializing in Asia. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates and with me as always is... Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. How's it going, Scott? It's uh, going really well and, you know, we've touched on hotels at times during our podcast, but we haven't really talked to too many hoteliers. We talked to Alexi in uh, Cambodia and Phnom Penh once and I feel like somebody else, but, but not... A whole lot. So we're going to really dive in here and think about what makes up the whole hotel experience. What are some of the elements that you think of, Trevor, when you think of the whole experience for a hotel? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm a little spoiled having worked in travel for a long time. So obviously, I love a private pool or an all-you-can-eat ice cream bar as much as Mm. the next guy. Um, But I think, you know, for the most part, uh, I'm pretty simple. I want like a a comfortable bed with comfortable pillows. It's kind of the Goldilocks thing. You know, when I do inspections, I always do a little like feel the bed test. Not too soft, not too hard, the pillows just right. Um, Obviously, like clean bathroom. You know, I do spend a bit of time in in the remote areas of Asia. And so uh, a clean bathroom, one that Mm -hmm. smells clean is a, a big plus. And then I think the other big one for me is breakfast. Um, you know, I like I like buffet yeah. with the a la carte mix. A Bloody Mary bar is obviously a plus if you can get it. But uh, you can get great breakfasts at budget hotels as well. You know, uh, the Lubdi uh, Hostel up in Siem Reap, they have some amazing rice soup. So if you have like a good breakfast and a reasonably comfortable bed and a clean bathroom, you know, I'm pretty happy. But, uh, you know, if we're going to go up to the next level, then that's uh, another story. What, what do you think about for the basics? Well, you know, experience, and you've touched on one in breakfast. One that always really annoys me and shows the level of care a hotel puts in is coffee. Like so many places serve a crap cup of coffee, and a decent cup of coffee just takes a wee bit of effort, and it doesn't cost very much. So to me, if a place has a good cup of coffee, regardless of the budget, I'm like, ah, these guys get it, right? They care. They're going that little extra mile. And then, yeah, it's the food, the decor, location, ambience, and, you know, thoughtfulness. I think back to staying at a Six Senses hotel in Hua Hin, Thailand, and in the middle of the afternoon around the pool, a guy just walked around and would polish your sunglasses. Like, ah, of course, because you end up with sunscreen on your hand, you touch your glasses, they get dirty. And, and that really didn't cost anything but just a little thoughtfulness. And so it's those little things, you know, anticipating things you might want to know. Like, 
telling you where to go for a good walk or actually helping you know where to go for a run or where to eat. So it's, it's anticipating things and, and being and being thoughtful, really. Yeah, that thoughtfulness, too. I think like I, I just said, like friendliness, you know, but I think it's a it's a culture that is created by a general manager, in, in my opinion. And, and one time I have a little story when I stayed at the Soneva Kiri on Kalkud in Thailand. Uh, I first came up with this idea. I was running late for dinner with the GM. Uh, I had to get from the beach back to my villa and you get your own little buggy to drive around, you know. And I pulled up to my villa in the buggy and I was running down to the villa to change and, and they had just turned down my, my room. And uh, she says hello to me on the, her way out, on my way in. And then after I changed and I ran back up to my buggy, she had turned the buggy around for me, you know. And just like that little thoughtful thing that like it would be easier for me to, to, to drive out if she turned it around for me. It's such a little thing. But like to me, like those little touches are only done by staff who really buy into the culture. And that culture is created by a GM who really instills like like a sense of like true hospitality that the staff believe in um, to the point that I think it's like at that time I thought of it as like auteurism, which is a, a film industry term where like you can tell that a certain director made that film. So if you have like a different GM at the same property, you're not going to get the exact same feel. Um, and the first time that that happened to me was Eric Hallen at the Six Senses in Kosamui. So I think he's a great auteur as well. And at the same time, I think it can get bad auteurs there's one place in Samui that I used to go and do inspections at every few years and and it's tough when you do an inspection at a hotel and you just visit because you don't know if that person's just having a bad day and that's why they weren't friendly to you but there was a place that I went back to every three or four years and they were always so unfriendly and I think it was just because whoever owns that hotel or whoever ran that hotel created a culture of unfriendliness and so it was just consistently not friendly you know so I think uh when people are on vacation, they expect to, to be treated, you know, like nicer than they are treated when they're at home. And, and, and I think that's really important in a hotel experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thinking about experiences, you know, we both kind of thought back to some hotels we've stayed at. And we've both been very lucky, I think, to stay at a, a, an incredible array of hotels. But I'm going to share two great experiences. And there's a place called Dwaraka in Kathmandu, Nepal. And the first time I went, I stayed there and then subsequent times. But, you know, they have wooden door frames and windows and a beautiful curtain or courtyard in the center and gorgeous furniture and decorations. And it, it, when you are in there, you feel like you're in a Himalayan nation, right? So it's not just the design, but it's the right smell of the incense and it's the, the, the server's outfits. And just that's a place where... Yeah, when you walk through those doors, every time I have, I'm, I'm transported into a totally different world. And then on the opposite end of mm. that, my wife and I a few years ago were on a, a dirt biking trip in northern Thailand in a place called Phang in northern Thailand. And we booked a simple place. Like I think it was $30 US or something called Gumby House of every anything. And I expected hmm. little. Great name. <laughs> yeah, and, and they had, I think, three or four rooms run by a couple that had retired up there. Simple, clean, but... They were so nice. Like they pointed two chairs in the garden to us to sit and watch the sun go down and ask us if we wanted a drink. They asked us, hey, what would you like for dinner? We, we can make the following things. And then during dinner, they said, hey, uh, what would you like to eat tomorrow morning? And we actually ordered rice soup and she made a beautiful one. But yeah, they just cared, right? You could feel that that caring feeling when you were staying there. So that was great too. H how about a couple from you, Trevor? Yeah, I'll go one high and one low. Uh, again, like at that super luxury level, uh, I recently stayed at the Shintamani Wild, uh, 
which is here in Cambodia. It's a luxury tented camp. Uh, the, the GM, who's unfortunately now the former GM, Sangjae, he'd obviously created a, a great culture there. Um, at these luxury hotels, you get a butler, and uh, my butler set up this picnic for me at the spot on the river that I mentioned I'd like to go swimming. And then he and some of the other staff went swimming with me, which, like, you know, on the one hand, you'd almost think it was out of place, but, like, like they weren't just friendly. These people who worked at the hotel have become my friends, you know? And I think that they learned to read the client and know what the client wants. They probably wouldn't necessarily jump in the water with any clients, but they knew that, like, I was the kind of person who would enjoy that. And, and so they did, you know? And so I feel like, again, if I was there with, with my girlfriend or wife who wasn't such a, a jungle person, she would feel just as welcome and comfortable in these luxury tents as I felt comfortable wanting to go swimming in, in a river, you know? So hmm. reading the client and giving that awesome experience was definitely done right at the Shintamani Wild. At the, the, the more budget end, one place I go back to often is called Kelly's Warung. It's in Bingen in Bali. Um, okay. And now this one's a little bit different because it's more about the concept and the location because the, their staff is, yeah, their service is okay, you know, but, but the concept is great. It's super cheap. It's clean. It's comfortable. It's right on the beach. It doesn't have fancy details like private bathrooms, but their food is great. The service is okay. And, and it was just like, it was designed well and, and, it, and it's beautiful and it's comfortable and it does exactly what I need it to do, which is allow me to check the surf at dawn and then paddle straight out and so you know they just nailed it even without the great service I, i'm super happy okay well uh before we bring our guest in remember trevor and i pay for all of this on our own as a hobby for fun and we do need help to keep it going so if you could be so kind as to tuck into your virtual wallet and send us some financial love just go to patreon.com search talk travel asia and you can sponsor us from one dollar a month upwards and uh, if you go for higher values we'd be happy to give you a shout out or send you something nice so thanks for much for your support and uh, let's get to our guest our guest is New Yorker Jason Friedman. He spent the past two decades in the hospitality industry working across Asia with brands such as Four Seasons, Raffles, and Amman Resorts, as well as many independent properties. He and his hotels have received many accolades, including Best General Manager Worldwide 2015 by Gallivanter's Guide and Best Hotel Manager Worldwide 2013 by Andrew Harper, The Hideaway Report. In 2016, he formed the hospitality and tourism consulting firm J.N. Friedman & Co., which specializes in the conceptualization, development, opening, and operations of experience-driven luxury resorts. He joins us today from Chiang Rai, Thailand. Hey there, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Sawadee kap. Very nice to be here. Let's start right at the beginning, Jason. For our listeners that aren't familiar with you, when did you first come to Asia and why? Back in 1994, when I was finishing university, um, I had a final semester and I decided to do that final semester on an overseas program to Indonesia uh, before moving to Alaska to work for the Forest Service. Hmm. So I got to Indonesia, spent a semester there, and I'm still here now. All right. Never made it back to Alaska. So it's always interesting that the backgrounds or the previous lives people had before they came to Asia. But I noticed there wasn't any uh, hotel positions in your really brief history there. So did you first get involved in the hotel industry when you were living here? I did get involved with the hotel industry living here. Uh, originally, my 
my interests were in uh, sustainable ecology of, of in forestry. And when I got to Asia, having to be a scuba instructor at the time, I realized very quickly there was a lot more fun in working as a scuba instructor than working as a forest ecologist in Asia. And, and forest ecology um, left scuba instruction, took over my life, and that led to working in small luxury hotels, my first major one being Amandari in Bali. Wow, so you kind of start with a super exclusive one. Yeah, exactly. Once you eat that fruit, you never go back. So, I mean, what did you do in that first job? Well, my first job at, uh, with Amandari, I was a hotel manager under a guy named John Reed, who uh, up until recently was the longest serving Amman employee in the company. And I was his hotel manager, and he taught me how to run small luxury hotels in Asia. Between my arrival in, in, in Indonesia and my time with Amman Resorts, there was six years of other things that I did. But Amman was the first major one of note. So, and then, and then you were just basically hooked. Uh, did you stay in Indonesia or did you bounce around the region? That seems to be the thing that hotel people do is they, they move around quite a bit. Well, you know, I, I, was, I was a dive instructor and, and you know, I, 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 once I finished my degree, I, I worked for Des Alwi, the king of the Banda Islands in, in Maluku, Indonesia, and I ran all of his diving operations in the early 90s. And, and that quickly led to, you know, being the assistant expedition leader of the, the most luxurious liveaboard dive boat in Indonesia at the time, the Sahili. Um, nice. Great experiences. And and that led to me starting an adventure tourism business based out of Jakarta, you know, in, in 96 and, and, and doing all sorts of ecotourism surveys for people. So hospitality creeped in through my diving and through my uh, adventure tourism. But I had grown up loving luxury tourism. You know, I grew up traveling to some of the great hotels of the world. Thank you, mom and dad you know, for that upbringing. So I, I had a very astute understanding of the luxury guest experience through the eyes of the luxury guests because I grew up that way. So everything I, was, everything I was doing, you know, in Indonesia while I was diving and working on these boats and setting up diving camps and whatnot, always went back to my experiences as being a guest in, in these places, right? So I, I had a very high expectation for service and quality and authenticity and, and honesty of experience, uh, which I put into everything I was doing at that time. Cool. So once you kind of made the, the permanent jump into hotels and being a hotelier, I mean, what really excites you about the business? It's two things. Uh, number one, it's, it's when you're dealing with guests at a luxury level, especially people who have seen everything, people who have, have everything. And when you can show them something new, when you can give them a new experience, and make them go, wow, you know, that feels great inside. Um, and then also, just as importantly, is when you can work with people locally and watch them grow with you over time. Watch somebody who comes out of the village and then 15 years later, I'm doing my fourth opening with them, right? Watching everybody grow. 
that's probably the greatest reward of it. Okay, so that kind of leads into our next question, which is like if, if you're trying to wow people and then you're working with groups of people over multiple properties, how do you keep like coming up with something new or how do you, how, how has it changed what you need to do to keep your own excitement and to continue to wow your guests? Uh, fortunately, I have an incredibly short attention span and, and I use that to my advantage because I figure as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing for my guests, they're going to be enjoying it. So I always try to keep it interesting for myself and for my staff. Can you, I mean, you're running your own tailored hospitality agency now. Can you kind of share just a couple key career moments with us? When you think back to your career and how you got to the point of opening an agency, what were kind of a few of those real highlights? It was when uh, Neil Jacobs and Bill Heineke offered me the opportunity to be the opening general manager of the Four Seasons Tented Camp in Chiang Rai, Thailand, back in 2002. Okay. Uh, a, a very much a career-defining moment for me because it was my first role nice. as general manager of a international luxury brand. And within our third year of operation, our small little 15 tents in the jungles of northern Thailand went on to become the number one hotel on the world on Condonath Traveler's List, where it stayed for three years in a row. So very much a career-defining moment. That's great. Equally as so is when Bill Bensley tapped me to become the opening general manager of the Siam Hotel in Bangkok, where we were able to take a no-brand, nothing, and create it into one of the most famous hotels in Thailand, if not the world at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, you certainly had some great experiences from the Amman to the Four Seasons Tented Camp, which I was at again last year, which is still a fabulous property. Um, so how did you make the jump then from, you know, maybe getting these positions as GMs of luxury hotels to running your own hospitality agency? Back in um, November of 2015, I was sailing off the coast of West Papua New Guinea with Bill Bensley. We were on a, a, a cruise on the Silalona, and Bill and I were out fishing one day on a little tender. And Bill said to me, Jason, you need to start your own company. You can't be given your skills to just one hotel at a time because there are a lot more that could use them, and I'll be your first client. Three, mo three months later, I hung up my shingle hmm. and I started working for myself with Bill Bensley as my first client. That's great. That's great. So, I mean, your, your professional career and interests lie firmly in luxury hotel space, but whether it's a low cost or a high end luxury hotel, can you identify some of the elements that you think come together to create a great hotel experience kind of at any price point? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned uh, any price point because the best, most luxurious experiences aren't necessarily driven by how much it costs to be in a place or how much the place costs to build. It's, a, it's an aggregate of many things. But most importantly, it's about the location you're in. It's about what has been designed and built there, the guest experience programming that you're doing, and most importantly, it's the staff you have executing those guest experiences. 
you can have uh, like you you can have you can have the most beautiful hotel built for a million dollars a room but without the right guest programming without the right ownership without the right vision it's a room with expensive things in it it doesn't mean very much or you can go to a place like Puchai Sai in northern Thailand a 20 year old bamboo resort on a mountaintop that's incredibly rustic and you can have the most magical of experiences there because of what the staff do and how beautiful the place actually is. Well, I'm up for a revisit because we talked before this and I used to go there a lot and I look forward to it. And, you know, you mentioned the, the staff service. And one little thing that always surprised me is how often I stay at a hotel and I'll ask them like, hey, where can I go for a jog around here? And how rarely staff working there can give you a good suggestion. So it's those little things indeed. Um, so on your website, we were looking at your, your company's website and you mentioned, you know, conceptual hotel programming, guest experience, guest services, hotel design, operations and management. You offer all of these different services. And I'm wondering, which are the ones that have to come first? And are there some of these that are more important than others when you're trying to get the whole guest experience? When we built the Four Seasons Tented Camp, which I think is a great example of the importance of the experience to a place. Um, Bill Bensley handed me a stack of watercolor drawings of his vision for the place. And then Four Seasons handed me a stack of standard operating procedures of what has to happen in a Four Seasons. And then Bill and I spent all this time up in Chiang Rai visioning what can we do what do we have around us that we can build this incredible experience from and it has to be honest it has to be about what you have around you it has to be about the people that are going to staff your hotel right you can't lie to people you can't pull the wool over their eyes you can't create smoke and mirrors especially at the luxury level you have to give people honesty right and that's how we build our experiences you got into this game, you know, it sounds like the late 90s in kind of luxury diving, and now you've been involved in many properties and with your own company. How have you found that guests' expectations of an experience have changed over the years? Guests have a, inc guests have a lot of knowledge now. Guests really know what's going on. They do, they do their research, which makes it even more important for us on the side of designing those experiences and delivering them that we are constantly updating them, but making sure that they are real to the place. Because people don't want smoke and mirrors, they don't want Disney. If they wanted Disney, they'd go there. They don't want fantasy. They want a beautiful reality. We fluff up that reality, but everything we do has to be based on a local reality. Okay, so how can people determine the authenticity of that you know like nowadays when you're trying to to plan or book a holiday there's so much information on, online and you know like marketing is a totally different thing than than the reality so how could people go about selecting a property that has this kind of culture can deliver on this like vision of authenticity without necessarily knowing you know f before they've been there there's too much information on the internet and everybody has a beautiful Instagram account. But there are two things the consumer can do to check on what's going on. Number one, 
work with a really amazing travel advisor. Work with somebody whose professional career is to connect guests with amazing experiences. There's no greater value in, in the booking you know, channel of the, the chain of command than working with a great travel advisor. Number two, contact the general manager of the hotel directly. If the general manager of the hotel is not willing to engage you before you've bought into their hotel, what's gonna happen later uh -huh. when you arrive there? So contact the GM. If they're willing to engage you and answer your questions about what's going on, most likely you're gonna have a really good experience there. That's a great tip. I, I, never, I never even thought about that, you know? Yeah, I'm probably, gonna, I'm, pro I'm, pro I'm probably gonna get a whole lot of hate mail on that one. <laughs> From your contemporaries, but you know what? yeah. It, 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 yeah, but you know, it's, it's true. Uh, you know, a third of my guests at the Siam came th across my desk through direct contact. I might be the first one to feel those inquiries and I hand them off to my team afterwards but you know, I'm gonna engage every single person that contacts me. And I've told people for years, you wanna know about a hotel? Contact the GM. That's such a great tip. We've, I mean, I've worked in travel for a long time and I've never really thought of that. That is a really good one. So you mentioned Bill Bensley earlier, and for our listeners that don't really know him, um, I mean, he's a wizard in designing hotels in Southeast Asia. He's done so many of them and incredible ones. So. You mentioned that you're kind of working together. I'm curious, how does that relationship work? I mean, he designs them and you run them, or can you tell us a bit about your partnership? I, I've been working with Bill for 20 years, um, and, and Bill is a design genius. I'm an operations guy, right? So, you know, Bill and I, we, we, we see a lot of the world in the same way. Um, we love experiences the same way. We love what we can do to people about how we can guide their experiences so we brainstorm stuff and my job is to make bill's hotels come alive i'm the operations guy you know bill's a brilliant design operations architect everything guy right and i look after the technical bits of the projects we do together and and, and we have a pretty darn good track record so far yeah you know actually in the, in the introduction uh I talked about the Shintamani Wild, which is his uh, new baby here in Cambodia, which uh, I'm a huge fan of. Um, and, and I did like the GM tip as well, because I find that uh, GMs are really important to creating that culture at, at a resort, which I think is really important. So let's let's turn it around a little bit. So like, I'm sure you go on vacation yourself. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal favorite hotel experiences as a traveler? Maybe, you know, before you got involved or in your early in your career, or even now, um, I assume you just know other hoteliers and, and can get connections and stuff like that. But, but what are some of your favorite hotel experiences as a traveler? I, I usually like to say the one I just came from, it's the places I love to go back to, you know, and you know, every, every August I go fly fishing in Mongolia and you know, it, it's luxury camping in, in tents, on a river for 10 days, off the grid, no mobile, no electricity, no cellular, no nothing. And a wonderful team of Mongolian folks 
looking after us and making sure our beers are cold from the river and if they can get some you know ice from a cave for a drink they do but it's this wonderful attention to us there's no there's no extra stuff that's unnecessary but stuff people feel you need to make it special i don't need 14 different amenities in my room when i arrive i don't you know <laughs> I need smiling people that understand me and take care of me. And when I go to Mongolia, it feels that way. Um, I, I love places where people pay attention to you and take care of you. The Rosewood Hotel in Phnom Penh, where I've probably stayed upwards of 20 times as I was building Shintamani Wild. Um, I love that hotel. The staff, the Khmer staff there have been given one of the most, the keys to one of the most amazing city hotels ever built. And they know how to do it and they do it with style and courtesy and warmth and love and genuine care for the guest. You know, something that I'm not sure if you can get in many other countries other than Cambodia right now. Man, those are two great experiences. Really neat and very, very different parts of the world too so what does jason see as sort of coming up in the next big things in hotel experiences say in the next five years or so hotels have to give back hotel hotels can't you know it's not about we don't use your sheets you know you clean your sheets every day or we don't give you new towels every day or we don't use plastic bottles or we don't use single-use plastic who cares about that stuff anymore that's normal Right. That's normal infrastructure for a hotel these days has to be the future of hotels is how does that hotel actually integrate themselves with their local community and do something to benefit that local community. That's the future of hotels. What I see happening. right now. We always have to have better experiences and curate better experiences. That's that's an ongoing game we all are part of. But if you want to, the lasting hotels, the hotels of the future, in order for them to even be viable as projects, they need to have part of their master planning. How are we giving back to our community? How is the community a stakeholder in what we're developing? Because without that, you become one of many. And you compete on price. You compete on OTAs. And that's not where a hotel wants to be. Hmm. Certainly not any that you're working on. So as we uh, wrap up here, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or, uh, you know, anything you'd like to plug the property that you're working on that you think you'd like to have people come and check out? We'll have uh, links to everything that you'd wish to share on our show notes on the website. But uh, if you want to share anything additionally here, uh, please go right ahead. I, I, wa I want to look past this era of social distancing and, and virus and, we all see where we're at, but when we get through this and we will, and, and we will be stronger, um, travel again, everybody start traveling as quickly as you can, because it's the greatest joy in life. And we have so many new hotels in the pipeline. We haven't slowed down with developing them. We have this beautiful intercontinental we're building in Khao Yai, Thailand, the largest and oldest national park in Thailand. It'll be the first internationally branded luxury hotel in Khao Yai. 
61 Rooms and Suites by Bill Bensley in this beautiful King Rama V colonial style. We're very excited about that. We're very excited about the new Shintamani we're doing in, in Long Bay, China, 71 suites on, on the ocean uh, with a conservation theme to it. Keep traveling, keep going, and, and patronize those hotels that are doing something to give back to the communities that they exist in. So is there anything that you've sort of secretly been working on for a long time that you're kind of maybe getting close to pulling off? We spent the last three years um, taking an, a beautiful old 1979 Japanese-built oil and gas services ship. You know, a ship that has been extracting resources from the bottom of the sea for 20-some-odd for years. And instead of scrapping it for steel, we upcycled it into a super luxury expedition cruise ship just for Indonesian waters. And we launched it this, yeah, we launched it this past year. It's called the Kuda Nil Explorer. And we, we take guests to the most remote, untrammeled parts of Indonesia to see those parts of Indonesia in ways that we love to see Indonesia. It's not about the profitability. It's about how we can share this old vessel done up well with new guests and introduce them to these new and wonderful parts of remote Indonesia. It's been one of the great joys of what I've done. We've had a great first year of operation and we're so excited for what we're going to do for the next couple of years with this thing. Well, it sounds great to me because we're also recording uh, our dream travel destinations here soon. And uh, some of those more remote areas of Indonesia are pretty high up on my list. So uh, doing it by boat is definitely one of the best ways to do it, I believe. You need to have a boat to really get to the remote parts of Indonesia. I, I've been all across that country when I worked there. And um, the fact that now we can get our guests to Triton Bay on a regular basis is remarkable. Um, and we keep putting together new trips to all those places I wanted to go in the 90s but couldn't get to. Uh, even now, so many of these places we're taking our guests to, most boats will not go because they're just too far off the grid. That's great. Well, Jason, we really, really appreciate you making time to chat. It's come full circle because I first met you like, inspecting the Four Seasons Tented Camp way back when, when you were just uh, opening that. And now you live up in one of my favorite properties in Thailand. So I look forward to meeting in person again. Thanks so much for making time for us. And uh, yeah, we'll probably chat again on the show one day soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So, Trevor, um, what kind of popped out for you from that conversation? Well, you know, I knew that he had a lot of experience and, and uh, I know that he had worked at some great hotels. But, uh, you know, I, didn't, I had no idea that he opened the Shintamani Wild here, which is uh, one of my favorite hotels I mentioned in the introduction. And uh, and I just really like he, he's quite a mellow dude, like at least on the recording. Uh, but uh, he's obviously very passionate about his work. And I think that that's what really makes a good hotel is when you have like a passionate manager or somebody passionate behind the concept that can share that passion then with their staff and, and, and then by association with the guests. Yeah, it was 
neat to chat with him because I've only met him a couple times over the years, but at the opening of the Four Seasons Tented Camp and when I inspected the CM. So it's kind of neat when you've actually met someone. But I always like learning people's backgrounds. Like here's the guy that, you know, came to Southeast Asia, not as a hotelier, not to get into hotels. In fact, he was like happens to a lot of people. He was he was in diving. Right. And then he kind of meandered and found his way into it. And now he's been, you know, designed or helping to open and get running some of the best hotels in the region. And, you know, those points of insight, like you and I have both worked in and around travel for a long time. And when we asked him how to pick a hotel, like him saying, emailing the GM when you're looking at a property, it's so obvious and easy, but I've never thought of doing that. But that's a great point. Like if the GM's not going to be bothered replying or reply well, then give it a miss. Yeah, it's a good point. And for our guests who maybe have never tried anything like this before, because, you know, when I was a freelance travel writer, I would have to reach out to hotel GMs. And the, the secret is just usually the address is GM at and then whatever the hotel name website is, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a really good, good tip from him. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it is about authenticity. And I think it's a great reason to, to book direct. Like I use hotel booking websites and apps and things and they've got their place but yeah you know usually if you look at a hotel's website directly especially if it's for like a, a trip as a couple or a special experience the the website the hotel directly will give you at least a good a price and again if you contact the gm they're probably going to make sure you have one of the better rooms in the property and that can go go a long while so yeah, yeah. that's that's the way i was thinking or, or even asking like hey you know like i really prefer a room that's like this or you know mm -hmm. like what a, like you're going to get more sincere and helpful information you know like it's great that he mentioned finding a good travel uh, agent or like advisor you know, who can yeah. help you book these types of things. Yeah. yeah. Travel advisor. But then obviously going directly to the hotel and asking him candid questions, you know, like this is, this is what I'm looking for. And, and, you know, from a good property, you're going to get candid answers and hopefully that uh, can help you find the, the right place to go. Yeah. And a hotel, depending on the trip can really make or break the experience. So yeah, interesting conversation with Jason. Glad we did that. And uh, remember patrons, those are people who help Trevor and I keep this thing going. So from as little as $1 a month, all the way up to a hundred or more, you can help us by going to patreon.com search talk travel Asia, and just give us a little financial love because we do this out of the goodness of our hearts and pay for it ourselves. And your financial support will help keep it going. So thanks very much for listening. Trevor, why don't you take us out of this thing? Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, again, we're going to have show notes with links to Jason's website and some of the properties that we mentioned, perhaps a Google map so you can see where these places are located uh, probably some photos from jason as well so check out the website talktravelasia.com otherwise uh, come back in two weeks we got a lot of really good interesting guests uh, this season and, uh, and and we appreciate you listening and uh, hope you enjoy it so thanks a lot thanks scott and we'll see you in two weeks thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cambodia?